You are listening to Decoding Influence, where we explore the forces that shape our interconnected digital world. Here, we discuss industry trends, insights, and tactics utilized by the entrepreneurs and marketers disrupting the world and helping change it for the better. This is Eric Dahat. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Decoding Influence. I have Maggie Reznikoff here today. She's our head of account management, uh, runs all things account management here at Open Influence, and is a huge advocate and supporter and user of TikTok. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Maggie, thanks for joining me today. Of course, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. My first episode and what what better topic than TikTok? It, I'm obsessed. <laughs> Definitely. It's 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 a rabbit hole of a platform for sure. I find myself spending 40 minutes easily when I think I'm only going to spend three. Yep. Yeah. It's it's hard to get off. They even have those little video reminders that are like, you've been watching for a while, you know, stop scrolling. I've I've been using TikTok now for I think about two years and just seeing the evolution of the platform has been amazing, both for, you know, regular users, brands, influencers. It's just in, it's just insane. So, you know, um, obviously we do a lot of work with it. All, all brands are talking about TikTok. Um, what do you find most fascinating about the platform? It's a good question. I <laughs> go with me on this journey. I think that TikTok is like the chip bowl of social media. Everyone's there. It's a low lift to bring to the party. It's incredibly satisfying and you really don't know when to stop. I just think that it's so digestible and it's a crowd pleaser. I can't, like you just said, I can't stop scrolling through it. Um, for me, what I love about it is that it's different than any other. It has, it has some similarities to Vine, but it's different than any other social platform that we've seen in the sense that it it's really all about authenticity and content at the end of the day. I love that the platform completely disregards the quote unquote popularity contest of how many followers do you have? Um, and it doesn't really um, quantify influence in that sense. So anything can go viral. And I'm sure we'll dive in a little bit more into the algorithm. But for me, it's the content. I've, you know, when I'm on Instagram, I've always been a fan of following meme pages and comedians. And so this is this this is just the platform for me. And I just like the fact that it's the first social media platform that has nothing to do with your actual social circle. It's not about your friends and family and who you follow. It's all about, again, that really powerful algorithm and delivering content that you're interested in that's relevant for you. And I think that's that's not only powerful for users, it's also powerful for brands because you know that your content is hitting eyeballs of people who are interested in the product that you're integrating or the type of influencer that you're partnering with. Yeah, I think it's a very good call out um, to highlight that the platform is really content driven as opposed mm -hmm. to people or, or relationship driven, right? When you look at Facebook, there was this big idea of reciprocity, right? I if if I'm a friend of yours, you're by default a friend of mine, right? And so it was about making these connections that were mutual. Uh, you compare that to a platform like Twitter, which was very follower based, right? I'm I'm here's a personality that I'm interested in. I could follow them. They don't need to necessarily follow me back, and in most cases, they they don't, right? And so uh, you you had that sort of approach, um, which 
really kind of became the norm with platforms like Instagram and like many of the newcomers we're seeing. Uh, I, I think looking at YouTube as well, uh, that's more of a content-driven platform as well, but you also have this episodic feeling uh, to where you are subscribing to channels if you like that content feed, you know, and, and the content's a bit more long form. So I think it's a really interesting call out where you can go on to TikTok. You don't need to follow anyone. You just go to the For You page and you get this endless stream of snackable content. And it really doesn't matter if you follow friends. It really doesn't matter if you follow celebrities or influencers or anything like that. It's just purely a content play. I guess diving into the algorithm, what makes it so powerful along those lines? Yeah. So I've done a lot of research on the TikTok algorithm because it's funny. I was sitting with a friend and she was scrolling through her it's like watch some tiktoks with me right so she's scrolling through her for you page it looks so different than mine and it was so specifically curated to her interests that i wanted to dive in deeper and i think it's it's probably one of the more powerful social media algorithms that i've seen because that's the success of the platform is they don't care about like i said who you follow or topics they want to just show you content that they think you'll love and so what's interesting is that tiktok has a system that recommends content by ranking videos based on a bunch of factors, such as which user interaction. So which videos you like and share, accounts you follow, comments you post, content that you're creating, um, the information of the videos that you're watching. And then it takes, I've learned about this ranking system. Um, there are different like levels of interest. So strong indicators and weak, uh, weak indicators. So for example, watching a video all the way through is going to be more powerful in your algorithm than watching a video of somebody who might live in the same country. And they assign, and this is, I think, from what I've read, they assign a point system based on user interactions and the, and the power of those. So for example, watching a video all the way through might be one point, um, liking it might be two points, commenting on it might be three, and the most powerful is sharing. TikTok takes into account not just the fact that you encounter the video and watch it, but then what you do next to decide if it's something that should impact your algorithm. And that's why, I mean, when we talk about why are we addicted to TikTok, why can't we close the app and we're scrolling in bed for hours? I think it's because they've done a really good job of making it so specifically curated via the algorithm for the individual user that it's 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 a custom it's a custom social media experience and you're really not encountering much that you don't like um so i think the algorithm is just it's it's really powerful it's like what you were saying comparing it to other platforms it's that algorithmic inference where it's not about it's not like facebook where it's about your friends and family it's not like twitter where it's curated suggested posts or even like the discovery feed of instagram which is which is trying i think to push towards that algorithmic inference yep. it's entirely algorithm and, and suggestions based on based on your literally your habits on the app well and i think comparing it to instagram is interesting right because instagram you know you're following people and that's the main sort of way your feed gets populated right it's, it's based on who you're following um, and so, and then, and then there was a, a chronological aspect to that feed, right? Who am I following? When are they posting? I'm going to see that, you know, and, and then from there, there, there are different sort of metrics to determine which people do you follow most relevant to you? You know, how do we surface the most relevant content up top, uh, to keep people really engaged, right? Because the more relevant content you push up, the more likely they are to stay on the app for longer. And so I think what's really interesting looking at TikTok is by not having all these other aspects 
necessarily weighted weighed as heavily they're able to just focus on the content itself that gets you interested right and so uh it's almost like there there's some handcuffs that, that they're taking off that other platforms just inherently can't and then the other thing too is to your point it sounds like they do just a really really good job and we see that I, I see this right they do a great job of determining weights for different interaction types and and figuring out how do they weigh those interactions to to, to really optimize for relevance for a user uh, and a little bit of a tangent, but a but a funny story with Open Influence. I had an app called Splurge, and it was an aggregator for all the different daily deals. And so we had a very similar challenge, which was, you know, it was a feed where you can scroll through, you could see different deals. We pulled thousands of deals from all over the internet daily, uh, and it was like, okay, well, how do we surface what's relevant? And then we built a really simple learning algorithm that would assign these sort of different weights. And then we'd also start to categorize people based on what drove those interactions. So we said, okay, well, do people react more to price? Are they more reacting? Or are they reacting more to brand names and prestige? Are they reacting more to things that are trending? You know, so you know, they don't really care about the brand; they just care whether it's a trending item. Um, you know, what is it that that people are really reacting to? And understanding that helped us shape, you know, what sort of bucket do we put a user in and then how do we optimize it from there? But one of the other challenges we we had was figuring out how do we also avoid a pigeonhole, right? Because, for mm -hmm. example, if I just like tennis shoes all day, how do I prevent my feed from just being pure tennis shoes? And so I, I think TikTok does a really good job of making sure that they throw just enough randomness in there or kind of just enough. Uh, areas of interest or content outside your direct sort of focus to make sure that you're also continuing to discover while also focusing on what it is you really like. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't heard that story before. So that's interesting. You, you, <laughs> you, you develop the TikTok algorithm before it existed. Um, but yeah, I, it's also a hundred percent. And I think you're right. They do a really good job of throwing those wild cards in there and I think that the way that they blend a bunch of different elements and user interaction. So it's not just about what subjects are you engaging with. It's also about like the popular sounds and the and the songs that you like or um, where the influence. It's, it's such a blend of all different things that allows it to, to keep it fresh. And I have noticed that, you know, there will be there. Sometimes there's a random video that pops up that is not not something I like. And if I scroll right by it. It's usually not something that will pop up again. Similarly, they put a little control that, you know, they're, they're transparent and put a little control in the user's hands where you've probably seen, for example, there's like quote unquote corners of TikTok. There's like the book corner, the military corner, the fitness corner. And so I'll see people leaving comments, like commenting so that I can stay in book tick or book talk. You know, there's all these like shortened terms. Um, so people really understand that. And that's powerful that the users know that they have a handle in in curating their feed. And it's so interesting because it's also one of like the trends are, of course, something where brands can take advantage and they really drive a lot of the virality. But for me, when I open my TikTok, I'm going to the for you page. That's where it's just an effortless scroll. I'm not searching for anything. It's bound to be entertaining and captivating. And I really like how it spans from comedic and and relatable and authentic to that educational informative content someone said to me the other day that they're using pinterest a little bit less because they're getting a lot of outfit and recipe inspo via their tiktok for you page 
so yeah, I mean, the, 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 I think the success of the platform really boils down to the algorithm. And I think it's something that not only makes it an incredible um, and addictive user experience, but it's also something that brands can hinge on because to your point about the app that you developed, you're getting an audience that is is much more likely to be very interested in the content and the in, the brand integration than probably, I mean, other platforms are powerful, but more powerful than any other platform before. Looking at this, right, through the advertiser lens, you mentioned, um, right, how this is really can be as lean back of an experience for the user as possible, where they just have to go to the For You page. They don't have to lean forward and try to proactively search a topic. Um, it, it's it's really focused on that ability just to go and discover. And it it just serves on a silver platter the content you want without going through those endless doom scrolls on Netflix or, or on YouTube sometimes where you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what to watch next, right? And so um, I guess, you know, you, you, you touched on this a little bit, but for advertisers, you know, how is, how is TikTok flipping the script and how is it different for advertisers than, you know, maybe some of the other platforms out there? Yeah, I think that it's interesting because I feel like over the last year or maybe year and a half, advertisers, they started by dipping their toes. And I know here at Open Influence, if I think back a year ago, we were doing some TikTok tests where we would do an Instagram or a YouTube campaign. um, And we we would have a few videos on TikTok. And it really took time for advertisers to build that confidence in the platform, but also the, ability, the willingness to take the risk because it is so different. So I think we've seen an explosion of marketing emphasis on the platform where we are now doing tons of TikTok first campaigns, um, TikTok dedicated campaigns. So I think brands are starting to get a hang of the platform. And really what it comes down to is being willing to take the risk. And I it, again, content is king, queen, whatever you want to call it. It's not so much about finding a person who is exactly like your target consumer. It's more about finding somebody who has a knack for creating amazing content and then integrating really seamlessly. What I love about TikTok is that at least for the successful brand integrations, um, it's very natural. It's, It's never prescriptive. It doesn't feel advertorial. It's not holding the product, make sure you buy this. It's something that the influencer might post naturally with the brand woven into it. And that's really what works. So I think for, for marketers and brands, it's all about stepping back, looking at the platform for, through a very different lens than you would look through any others and being willing to put a little bit more control into the hands of the creators. There are some creative concepts, if you will, that are rooted in a dance challenge or a prank or something like that, where you can get away with being a little bit more prescriptive. Um, but in general, you can't you can't tell a creator, we want you to say this, here's your talking points, here's how the product will be woven in, which by the way, does work on Instagram. Instagram is all about that polished, highly produced, almost aspirational feel. I've said this, I say this a lot and it's it, so I'm a broken record, but I say that Instagram is a highlight reel and, and uh, TikTok is highlight reel, like R-E-A-L. It's all about those real relatable moments, um, human beings that you can relate to. So I think brands have to step back and be willing to take a risk and understand that their product isn't going to be front and center, but the, the virality of the platform and the ability for it to reach hundreds of thousands or even millions of users. I mean, the numbers you see are incredible. And it can also happen organically for brands. I was looking at the, um, we all know about Ocean Spray and the Fleetwood Mac video with the, the guy on the skateboard. 
from that video, which Ocean Spray had absolutely nothing to do with, they didn't, they didn't drive it, they weren't behind it, they earned 15 billion media impressions in less than a month. And they did such a nice job of capitalizing on it by, I think they got the guy a truck and, and they, the, the CEO of Ocean Spray himself made a TikTok. But it's really interesting to also see how brands are taking off organically on the platform without even trying to and selling out overnight by somebody posting a recommendation link, you know, pointing to the website and uh, driving users to purchase. Whether it's intentional and it's a program that you're developing or it's something that happens organically that brands kind of tag onto, it's all about like ride the wave, like roll with it, take the risk, be authentic, step outside that very controlled creative brief box and let and and let the content drive the success of uh, and ultimately it just lends itself to to much stronger ROI. Yeah, I I think something interesting too for advertisers to to really consider is mediums are very generational, right? I I didn't wake up, you know, when I turned 30 and start reading the newspaper, right? Like it's just not, you know, it, it's not a relevant medium, right? Uh, and so when you think about it, you know, Instagram uh, was really a millennial platform, right? It, it, it embodies a lot of the millennial values. It embodies, uh, you know, the, the, the value of experiences, uh, it, it, you know, o- o- over things. It values this sort of uh, need to, to, to focus on, uh, you know, on self-care and travel and, and very sort of polished and, and everything there. And you compare that to TikTok. And I think TikTok is very much so a Gen Z platform um, from the fact that it's highlighting raw and authentic content to the fact that it doesn't want to come across as too ad heavy. Um, you know, users really hate to be advertised to in Gen Z. Um, they're, they're, they're much more likely to respond better to authentic conversations, recommendations than, than feeling like they're being advertised to. Um, to pivot a little bit, I want to I get your thoughts on the power of sound with TikTok and music. And, and how that's unique. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that that is definitely one of the, I mean, if you think back to the genesis of TikTok, um, which was musically, and then there's Duyin in China, it was all about, it was literally started as a lip syncing app. So sound is critical. Now, I think the platform has diversified to the point where you don't have to have a viral song or sound to, um, to go viral. That said, so much of the so many of the trends that we see these days are driven by a specific sound, whether it's somebody, you know, somebody creates a video and then that sound is then used on hundreds of thousands of other videos. Um, The in addition, when it comes to music, something I was chatting with a friend the other day, and I've kind of noticed that when I look at the billboard charts um, or Spotify charts, a lot of the the top songs are songs that I first heard on TikTok. And I think TikTok is really driving music trends as well. It's something that users can take advantage of because by using a popular sound, by using a popular song, you're then placed into that bucket of content um, and it helps push your content out to more feeds. So sound, I think, is huge. It's something for, you know, there's a lot of, when it comes to brands, there are, of course, the nuances to navigate with, licensing and usage rights and TikTok does have, um, they do have an ability for brands to basically submit a quick application to use one of the 
a mainstream song that they that isn't that that isn't royalty free on their ads. Um, so they've really done a nice job of of making it accessible, but also making it a vehicle for both users and brands and influencers to take advantage of the hype around a specific song or again a a, uh, a sound. It could be a quote that somebody says. It could be a really funny clip from a movie that people are reenacting. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the hi, my name is Ryan trend from a, maybe a year and a half ago. I yep. still see some video examples of that, but that just started with somebody creating a simple TikTok that went viral. So I think it's it's a very sound driven platform, but something that you touched on earlier is also regardless of sound, it's all very snackable and the sh- and shorter videos actually tend, although Instagram recently updated where I think you can create videos up to three minutes long. Um, videos that are like 15 seconds or shorter tend to perform better because the completion rate is higher. It's all about like what's thumb stopping and what is somebody going to loop and watch over and over and share with their friends. So of course, sound is a critical, critical element of that. And that's actually not something that we've seen on other platforms. I know reels is trying to dabble a little bit and we can talk about reels, but, um, sound is incredibly important for the virality of content and the success of the platform. And it's really driving trends, like I said, with the top, the top charts of the most popular songs. Yeah. And, and I think two things on that, um, on, on the sound piece, right. Um, what's important to realize is those trends move lightning fast. And so I think like within a matter of days, it's like, you could see trends start and finish right away. I mean, there, there were so many different so- sounds and clips that just blew up out of uh, out of nowhere um what was the one with um it was like some some like obscure british artist uh mm-hmm. had like a little song she lip sung sang it it blew up overnight and then kind of went away at least went away in my feed right you know fairly quickly too and, and that was sort of a common trend so i think for brands to understand like you got to move lightning fast which for big brands is sometimes very challenging but if you want to hop onto some of these trends you got to move fast and then the other thing i think coming back to the algorithm, rewarding for shorter content. I think it's important to understand that every platform has its own sort of algorithm and and therefore different ways that creators game that algorithm. For YouTube, for example, uh, time spent watching a video is a big factor. So YouTube's actually encouraging creators to make longer and longer videos, right? Because the longer the video is, uh, the more likely people are going to spend more time on it. Uh, And so Mm. Uh, right. And so, so you're going to have a lot of people that are going to watch it from start to finish or watch 75% of it or whatever that may be. So the longer it is, the more time spent typically. And so understanding how these platforms are, are set up and what kind of activity they're rewarding goes a really long way to just determine how to create something that's going to be successful. Um, but what, one of the last things I want to talk about, and there's so much here that we, we can dive into, um, but one of the big trends that I firmly believe in is this emergence of social commerce being the next form of e-commerce. Uh, and so I want to just talk to you a little bit about and get your thoughts on the whole TikTok made me buy it trend and just some of the implications uh, or, or, or impact you think TikTok's going to have on the overall shopping experience. Yeah, well, I think um, it's interesting because right now, one of the biggest questions we get from from brands is, separate from the the ads that we do or the boosted posts that are you know native ads just the organic videos what are the linking capabilities and as of today there's not it's not like an instagram story where you can include a swipe up link and it tends to be link in bio um i don't think it'll be very long before tiktok rolls out an organic linking feature 
but I have seen how powerful it can be when, because of that virality, and again, it all boils back to the algorithm for somebody to talk about a product. So something that came up recently are the quote unquote TikTok leggings um, that girls are purchasing left and right. Yep. Um, and it's and if somebody just posted them one day and said, wow, you know, these make me look and feel really good, uh, points, you know, shows a screen grab of the Amazon page and people are flocking there. So definitely can see the platform driving purchase in a in a greater way um, than maybe we have seen in the past. And then also, I think, you know, just on the on the feature side, it's it's evolved a lot. A year ago, we were in the beta um, advertising partner suite where we were testing out ads. And now it's much more um, refined and intricate in terms of the types of ads that we can do and ways we can boost content that influencers post and the targeting capabilities. Um, I guess I'd love to know your thoughts. I know TikTok um, late last year announced a partnership with Shopify, which is obviously huge when it comes to e-commerce. So what are your thoughts on that, where that's going and how that will open up doors for advertisers who don't, may not even have a strong TikTok presence or may not have activated on the platform before? Yeah, I'm very bullish on social commerce as the next big wave of how shopping's done. I think a lot of you know, a, a lot of the advertising that has been happening on social platforms is actually very traditional, right? It, you're, you're scrolling through the content you want, ads get injected kind of throughout, but they're not really integrated in. They're more of a distraction, you know, uh, or interruption, I should say, from the experience. And I, I think with social commerce, with TikTok, we're seeing the platforms realizing they can create a much more direct line from discovery to purchase within their platform. And if you look now at how advertising is done for a lot of the direct-to-consumer brands, what do they do? Well, they mainly pump a lot of money into Facebook and into Instagram and drive and dump all that traffic into uh, Shopify from there, right? And, and then make the purchase. And so a lot of the social platforms are realizing, well, if we're being used to discover uh, these products and we're kicking it over to these other platforms, how do we create an experience that's a little bit more native to the platform itself. And so I think what, what Facebook is doing is they've built that feature uh, directly in with their shops and, and you know doing similar integrations. But I, but I think ultimately they're going to be the ones who want to really own that from end to end. Uh, TikTok has maybe similar uh, aspirations, but I think this Shopify partnership is a really smart move where they could tap in the community of, you know I think it's like 1.6 million companies that are on Shopify um, that are digital native brands that are up and coming brands and tap into that TikTok ecosystem to just bridge that gap between discovery and purchase. And so I, I think it's an extremely natural fit and I'm, I'm very bullish on it. And I think we're going to see a lot uh, more interesting features happening. The other trend that's very interesting that's taking off right now in China is live shopping. Um, so it's a, it's a really big market think about it just it's qvc but on social uh you know amazon is making a play for it right now within their platform now they're obviously not a social platform but they're they're dabbling on the social side with amazon live uh, obviously they have the the infrastructure for all the products they could link to but i but I, I think there's a really big opportunity with tiktok doing the same thing uh with live shopping as well and so i i i believe tiktok's really well positioned to take you know, a pretty big share out of this new social commerce uh, market that's emerging. 
What would you say, given, you know, when we first opened, you were like, what do you love about TikTok? And the, it's the fact that it's so highly curated. It's so entertaining. What do you think are the, I don't know if they're challenges or hurdles for TikTok to overcome as they, of course, move towards e-commerce and shoppable links. And it's all about convenience at the end of the day for the consumer, right? How do they integrate that and brands take advantage while also maintaining exactly what pulls people to the platform, which is effortless, entertaining, I could scroll for hours type of user experience? Yeah, I I mean, I I think the biggest challenge in general for TikTok from an advertiser standpoint is just coming across some of the much more mature platforms like like Facebook, um, like YouTube. Right. And and, and I and I believe each one kind of comes at it from different angles. I think on the advertiser side, I mean, Facebook has been spending years perfecting, uh, you know, it's 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 way of attracting advertisers and helping them generate real sales and real value. Uh, I, I think one of the opportunities that TikTok has uh, is with third-party uh, uh, cooking going away or, or really changing, right? Um, and, and with different privacy policies popping up all around the world that, that make it even more difficult for this data to be shared and transferred. I, I think that levels the playing field a little bit for TikTok to really catch up on the advertiser side. Um, when I look at YouTube, I think YouTube has done a fantastic job with its creator community, creators have so many options to earn on YouTube from subscriptions through, you know, companies like Patreon donations, they get a rev share, they do affiliate deals, which are quite common on the platform. They do product placements, both dedicated and integrated. And so you have so many different ways that creators on YouTube can earn. Um, and, and so they've done a really good job sort of attracting the talent there, which in turn uh, creates you know, a richer ecosystem for advertisers. So, so I, I think there's some challenge there uh, or, or potential headwinds that TikTok uh, may face on, on, on both those fronts. But I, I also think that when it comes to uh, advantages, TikTok is not taking this approach to advertising or, or doesn't have to where it's disruptive in that old model. I, 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 think, I think TikTok can uh, help draw a better line to drive sales without really affecting the user experience, right? And, and it's, it's as simple as just better linking to, you know, allowing creators to, to, to link better to the products uh, that they're talking about or the sites that they're talking about, which, which, you know, doesn't take away from the user experience. It actually enhances it. And I think TikTok's done a really good job too, understanding this sort of world that is native to Gen Z and growing out of that, right? They're not having to go and say, how do we transition from uh, how social worked 10, 15 years ago to how it's working today? They were they were born in it today. Uh, and, and, and so I, I think there's, there's a lot of advantage to that. And th- there's not a lot of legacy in terms of mentality or strategy or code that they necessarily have to deal with that some of the other platforms do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also it's like, it's it's the ability to unlock touch points with an audience that is really highly con- concentrated. Um, and again, it is, it's like, fi- I, last stats I read is 50% of the audience on TikTok are under 30 and about 50% are over, which is quite different from a few years ago when it was skewed very, very heavily um, below like 25. Yep. Um, but but the advantages of the platform, to your point, are also the content formats, the, the visual nature of the content, the short form video, like what types of ads speak to Gen Z? It's 
less around, you know, I, my dad's, you know, I'm trying to look into a new appliance to buy and he's sending me consumer report links. Like the, <laughs> the research that goes in on the older generations is probably more in depth. The purchase uh, path and decision-making is a little bit more extensive, whereas Gen Z might be a little bit more just spontaneous with their decisions, but they want to know that the brand is rooted in something good. They want to see proof that others like it. And that's where I see already, even even pre an extensive e-commerce integration on the platform, that people are able to create content that's really, like you said, snackable um, and shows the value of products. And it's all about convenience at the end of the day. So if I see something I love, how quickly can I tap add to cart and have it arriving at my house within days? Right. And on that point, comparing kind of how like the differences in the consideration cycle um, for your dad versus, you know, us or, or, or you know, uh, uh, people in Gen Z. Gen Z has been really conditioned and grew up in this environment where it's all about social validation. Um, you know, when everything has reviews, everything has ratings. Uh, and so I, I think there's just a lot of weight that they're putting through that saying, okay, this is socially validated. It's great. They could read right through it. While I, I sometimes have to remind, you know, like my dad, for example, when, when he's trying to make a purchase decision, like go and spend the time <laughs> looking at the reviews and ratings, you know, like mm -hmm. just because you think this is cool, like that's great. But if, if it has two stars, you know, your, your, your initial opinion is not as relevant, right. As, as what all these other people are weighing in on. And so I, I think that also maybe feeds into these quicker sort of decisions and more social based sort of decisions, which, you know, we, we could go into a bigger conversation about how that's affecting the finance industry too, with, with retail uh, investors and, and meme stocks and all that, but that that's maybe a conversation for another day. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You also touched on like the fact that the platform's aging up, which really reminds me of Instagram when it first started, everyone thought, okay, this was, this is a platform for people under the age of 20 years old. Uh, and then, and then very quickly, you know, it started aging up. And I remember having to have those, those conversations with advertisers around, you know, you know, they would ask, oh, can we market to above 40 year olds on this platform? And, you know, we'd always say, well, you can, but Facebook's a better fit. And then over time, the platform Instagram really aged up. And so TikTok is going through a very similar sort of process where it's becoming more and more mainstream and therefore aging up more and more. Mm -hmm. Which I think is very, I've, I think it's a very natural evolu evolution for most social platforms where the generations that are more likely to hop on a new platform, get used to the features, figure out what works, what doesn't work, why am I on here? Am I enjoying it? Are those younger, kind of more tech savvy folks? I even think of Facebook, right? It started as a as an app for college campuses and college kids. And now it's like our go-to when it comes to 50 plus and moms. Um, similarly, like you said, Instagram was at first viewed as a very young platform. People who were on Facebook were hesitant to get on it. And now it is, it, I think like the number of you know, when we're doing an, a campaign with, with mom influencers or parents or older generations, absolutely. There's a ton, a ton of, of, of presence from, from them on Instagram. And we're seeing TikTok go through the same thing. It was kids. Now it's, you know, kids and 20 year olds. And it's really funny because again, the algorithm is so powerful. I see a lot of content that jokes about 
being in your late 20s and your 30s and what it's like being on the app. And I see grandparents on the app. I think I was seeing a stat that like 8%, which feels small, but in the grand scheme of things, 8% of the users of TikTok are over, I think it was over 50, maybe over 40. But really, really, I think every, every app goes through that evolution where it's like the trial period, the establishment that it works, the audience starts to get pulled over more and more. And I'm sure that there will be something. I'm just waiting, like what's next? Because there will be something after TikTok and then there will be something after that. And that's what really, when everybody, when anybody asks me what excites you about influencer marketing and the industry, it's the ever evolving nature that it's, it's fast paced. It's not static. It's not billboards. It's not radio. It's constantly changing. There's constantly a new platform. Um, not to go on a sidebar, but we saw the rise of Clubhouse in the last eight months. And I know it's dwindling now. So maybe it's not one that has a ton of hooks long term, but I, I guarantee there will be the new TikTok will be here within a year, two years or three years. Yep. I think we're coming up on time now, but but to just recap, I mean, there, there's so much with TikTok that's happening that advertisers should really sink their teeth in. If you're if you're active on TikTok, then you should definitely double down. If you're not active on TikTok, get on it <laughs> and, and really accelerate uh, your your effort of onboarding onto it and going through that learning curve. Because, you know, like we talked about how it's aging up. I mean, culture is always driven from the new generations, right? There's a reason we don't see new new rock bands or DJs or performers coming out in their 50s and 60s, right? They're, they're, it's coming from the youth. It's coming from the new generation. So platforms work the same way and they have a big, you know, they, they play a big role in our culture and how we think and our value sets and um, and how we communicate. And so uh, Maggie, I wanna thank you for, for joining today, sharing your insights. You know, even though I talk to you every day, it's awesome to, to spend the time now and connect. And uh, thanks everyone for, uh, for listening. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me.